game of poker, there's a decision that can be made that's called to be all in. And so if you've never played poker before, at some point a player can choose to take all of their chips, all of the money that they've won, and put all of them into the pot and bet everything that they have on the hand that they're holding. Basically, they're holding nothing back. They either win everything or they lose everything in one turn. And that's called to be all in. And in a real way, what Jesus is asking of us, what Deuteronomy asks of us, is the same thing in our relationship with God. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's to be all in. There's nothing that we hold back. There's nothing that we have that we don't owe to God. And this was the beginning of Israel's relationship to God. They call it the Shema, Hear, O Israel. And it became the central focus of the way that they lived in relationship with God. But one thing that's important for us to remember as we hear the stories of the Old Testament is that for the people of Israel, it wasn't like this one event happened and now they believed in God and nothing else. In the whole Old Testament, we see over and over again how they're continually tempted to believe in other gods as well. See, they started to believe that God was the God, that he was higher than all others, but they still didn't want to let go of other gods, which is why when they leave Egypt and Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, they start worshipping the golden calf, which is a god from Egypt. They haven't stopped believing in God, but they're holding on to this other God as well. That continually, again and again, it's the reason why when they get exiled from their homeland, that God says, don't marry the people from this region because of the temptation of giving daughters in marriage and then the daughters having to worship the gods of the people that they marry. Again and again, they have this temptation of Yes, I believe in God, but part of me still wants to do this other thing. They're not quite all in. Now, this past Friday, we celebrated the Feast of All Souls on November 2nd. And we celebrate this feast and we pray for all the deceased on this feast because of our belief as Catholics in the idea of purgatory. Now, purgatory is one of those things that's hotly debated between Christians and often misunderstood among Catholics of what is purgatory and why is this part of our understanding of our way to heaven. So we have to remember purgatory is not this in-between place. It's not where there's still the jury is out whether we're going to heaven or hell. Purgatory is the way to heaven that we are in purgatory not as a punishment, but as a purification. See, Christ, having died and forgiven us of our sins, punishment is gone. The moment that we ask for forgiveness, the absolution that we receive means that the punishment for what we've done is erased. But there's still a purification that needs to happen. If someone lies, to you, you can forgive them for having lied to you, meaning you erase any punishment that they might have to take because they lied. 
But that person who lied still has to learn how not to depend on lying to get out of consequences of something that they've done. That's purgatory. That's why when we think of purgatory, it still comes with the idea of suffering. Why? Because we have to detach. We have to let go of everything that we are loving that is not God. How could we possibly hope or expect to be in heaven with God if part of our heart still wants other things? We have to be all in. And so purgatory is this period, this place of being stripped from those things that we're still holding on to that keep us from God. And for me, that brings back a memory from when I was in preschool, that we were out in the playground waiting for the bus to come to take us home during wintertime. And as we were playing in the playground, I vividly remember seeing this shiny, silvery pole with wonderful crystals on the pole. And it was just too enticing to deny. And so I went to lick the pole, and you know what happens. So what did I have to do to detach myself from what I thought was a good idea? I had to go through the suffering of pulling my tongue away. It's the same idea that we attach ourselves to things that we think are good, but really pull us away from God. And purgatory is the purification, the suffering that it takes to rip those things out of our life so that we can be all in for God, that we can love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. See, what's important to remember is that for Israel, the Ten Commandments weren't seen as these rules to follow. The Ten Commandments, rooted in what we heard today of you shall love the Lord your God, were seen as a marriage vow with God. See, if there are rules to be followed, then if you break a rule, you suffer the consequence. And sometimes we let that creep into our life of faith with God. I've broken the rule, therefore I need to be punished. No. Christ has set us free from the consequence of sin and death. It's gone. The moment we ask for forgiveness, it is gone. But if you do something when you are married to someone that breaks the promises made in the vow, it puts strain on that love and on that relationship. And whatever was done to put strain on that, it doesn't break that vow. The vow is still there but there's a real purification that needs to take place in order for that vow to be reestablished. When a married couple comes to the altar and says, I take you to be my wife, I promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love you, to honor you all the days of my life. This is the vow. This is the relationship. You wouldn't think coming on a wedding day, that a couple would go, well, I love you, but I also love these other things, so we've got to make sure in our marriage that I've got some room for these other things. No. When a couple comes for their marriage, they're all in. Now, as life goes on, do they start to let other things creep in and start to take their love from their spouse? 
It's a real temptation. But by being purified of those things over and over again, they can learn how to love their spouse with all of their mind, heart, soul, and strength. This is what we're asked of in our life of faith with God. Does that sound demanding? It is. But he only asks that of us because he's first given it to us. In the letter to the Hebrews that we heard today, Jesus is the great high priest. Why? Because he offered himself for us once for all. Jesus was all in. He gave himself totally and completely. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he does that for us continually every time we come to Mass. That he offers himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Eucharist. He only asks that of us because he's first offered that to us, himself, totally, completely. So in our life of faith, we remember that this purgatory, we don't have to be there. We can skip purgatory, but we have to be all in. See, God has opened the door to heaven through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We still have to choose to walk through. It's our choice to enter. And if part of us is still holding on to things that are not of God, what we're saying is, I don't know how long I want to stay. We want to be all in. And so we remember first that Jesus is all in. He has loved us with all of his mind, heart, soul, and strength. And we come back again and again, striving to offer ourselves to him in the same way, allowing ourselves to be purified now in this life of those things that we hold on to so that we can give Christ ourselves.